Hi, this is Cliff McConville of Allgrass Farms. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will... Good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Clean beaches. He's gone deaf from 20 years of answering gardening questions. And she. Uh, here they are Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. I love this guy. He laughs at our jokes. <laughs> All right. And going live on Facebook. And three, two, one. We're live. <laughs> We're live. Uh, oh, you know, we have uh, Ken Santowski is in the house. Uh, and, He's over uh, there. And I uh, love yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Yeah, look at yourself up there on the Facebook screen uh, because we are live. That's, on... that's why I don't have a Facebook page because I don't want to be live. <laughs> uh, well, you don't have to. You don't have to do that. That's uh, They they. Inst- they try to make you do it. They try to make you do a bunch of things. One of the things that's been happening lately is in my Comcast. Now they're this 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 uh, dialogue box starts popping up on the screen when I'm watching. Do you want to blah blah blah? I'm like, no. What I want to do is defeat the dialogue box. I don't want that ever to show up on my screen right. again. Now, yeah. how do I do that? But they don't <laughs> yeah. give you that option. That's what a sharpie's for. Uh oh. I okay. Shall we talk about all the businesses I hate in the world? Can we <laughs> no, start? no. Let's talk. About, let's go. Keep going on your dialogue box because if you probably have it on your own computers here, is you keep on getting it says, "Do you want to save passwords?" And yet Microsoft tells you that you should never save passwords on your on your computer. But, I didn't think but about it that. Al- but it always pops up. Do you want to save your password? <laughs> well, here's the here's the uh, the trick, folks. When you do passwords. Uh, always make it your pet or your birthday, okay? That, or your address or your phone or, number. Or your address or your phone number. Or 1234. Or social security yeah, number. Exactly. Or yeah. Ariana's social security yeah. number. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to give out Ariana's social security number right now so everybody can use it for their password. So so, so my garage code should not have been my home address? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will ever think of that. Kid. No, okay, good. Nobody <laughs> okay. ever think of that. Because when you're home late at night and you're really tired, you know, and you're like, what's my code? And then you just look up and go, oh, there it is. Yeah. Well, you know, this is why we're, we're inundated by passwords. And I don't blame people for using their pets and their birthdays and, and one, two, three, four. I really don't. There's too many passwords and, and uh, we're, we're going to drown in it. It's just insane. It used to be. When remember now you you're 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 a young pup Ken uh, I can remember growing up and the only thing number you needed was your phone number your home Lincoln six seven five four five was mine in uh, Madison Heights Michigan that's right. all I needed to know Lincoln six seven five four five okay and, so now we know your password uh, yeah, yeah. oh no <laughs> and I didn't really say that folks Let's, can we delete that go back on Facebook and delete that audio oh darn. 
And how do you, how do how does everyone rem- figure out their new set of passwords? You write it down on a slip of paper and carry it with you always. <laughs> you find the sticky note. Here's here's something that I did is because we're we're we are of uh, of a beautiful age now in our fifties. Uh, that uh, I wish. Yeah. The the uh, so I go and use Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So when you have to change, you just go to a new dwarf. I use the Brady Bunch family. I think of the old television oh, shows. You're, you're making it too difficult. You're already making it too difficult. Okay. Hello. Yeah. What are you? What? I'm getting that out She's, of the way so I can actually see uh, Ken. Wow. And, wow. You were really a glutton just, for punishment. Okay. <laughs> And she knocked my headsets off the line there, managed to do that. I'm back, but okay. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, that guy uh, you're hearing is Ken Santowski <laughs> from Chicago Logistics Service. Uh, he's here to talk today about styrofoam uh, or po- expanded polystyrene. Or I, I love the, the little blurb you put together for the Illinois Recycling Association event um, you've got it there. I don't have it uh, where it says um, polypropylene, polyethylene, polyvinyl chloride, polystyrene, polyunsaturated, poly wanna cracker. Uh, and it's you're you're absolutely right. Folks are so confused by all this. They don't know what any of these different substances are, let alone how to recycle them, how to get rid of them. Uh, I just walked out to the car. Ken and I went to my car got a few bags of expanded polystyrene and threw it in his truck. Because why? Because it's been sitting in my garage forever because I didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I know that Ken will will get rid of that stuff. So that's what we're talking about this morning. Uh, then uh, later on the show, we have Michael Howard from Eden Place Nature Center. They are uh, doing a fundraiser. Uh, what a good cause. I've been telling folks, you know, if if you go online and – you, you see all the places where you can donate to Houston. Here's my, here's my suggestion. A lot of people are going to uh, donate to Houston. Everybody's going to do that. I'm not saying that we, you shouldn't. I'm saying while you're thinking about it, why not just donate someplace local that you've been thinking about forever and you never get around to? Houston is just a reminder that, or te- the Texas relief stuff, is just a reminder that you should be doing something here. So use that. And, and let's let's get a, a little bump in donations for local causes. Uh, and then in the second hour, we've got Monica Eng from WBEZ is going to talk about growing food in Chicago in the past when we were the celery capital of the world. you got to love that. All right, stick around for Ken Santowski. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Are you ready to make a positive change in the world around you? One that is easy and creates beauty? Make the switch to native plants, natural communities native plants. Enjoy the elegance of nature, the birds, the pollinators, and yes, even monarch butterflies without the excessive maintenance and without pesticides. Natives create food for our pollinators and birds, offset climate change, cleanse water, reduce floodwaters, and they look great. Natural Communities has more than 200 species of affordable woodland, wetland, and prairie plants, as well as shrubs, trees, and seeds native to the Midwest. And now is the time to get those plants established in your yard for a head start next year. Go to naturalcommunities.net. And if you use the magic word NOVAK, N-O-W-A-K, at checkout, you'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. Don't just get back to nature. Create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. 
Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. This is your talk. Hey, this place is really something else, huh? Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. And aren't you glad in Chicago we're not seeking higher ground mm-hmm. at the moment? <laughs> Um, and as I mentioned before, and we'll talk about it when Mike Howard comes on the Michael Howard comes on the program later uh, in this hour. We're going to encourage you to make a contribution. You can go to MikeNovak.net and find that uh, information uh, in this week's show about Eden Place Nature Center on Chicago South Side. Really worthy cause. And like I said, Michael will be on the show uh, about. Uh, 949, exactly 949. But right now we've got Ken Santowski. Who will be leaving at 948, apparently. <laughs> exactly. We will escort you out the door yeah. and uh, hand, well, with a box of stuff, and you will not be allowed. We will change the key and the lock and the password. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. And, pass, exactly. Yeah. and take that styrofoam with you. Yes. Uh, and uh, Ken is, uh, as I wrote on my blog and as I wrote for... Okay, let, let's let's start with a disclaimer here. I am a board member at least for another day or two. I think through the twelfth, because uh, I will be leaving the board of the Illinois Recycling Association, uh, and uh, I'm helping put together this conference, uh, and it's about plastics. Why? Well, because plastics are a problem, folks. We got too much of it in the world. We talked about it on the show recently about how half of all the plastics ever made were created in the last 13 years. Did you know that, Ken? Yes. Okay, so yeah. you're, you you keep up on these things. Yes, I try to as much as okay. I can. And that's because uh, he's president of Chicago Logistics Service, which he founded, which he created. Um, and so I, I was helping put this plastics conference together so we could uh, attack some of these issues, including expanded polystyrene or styrofoam. Everybody knows it as styrofoam. Uh, but other plastics issues. Uh, next week, we hope to have a guy named B.K. Sharma on the show who does pyrolysis or pyrolysis. I don't know exactly how you pronounce it, uh, which is converting plastics back to oil because, of course, plastics come from oil. So you should be able to reverse the process. Well, not only at this conference on September 12th uh, is he going to talk about it. He's going to give a demonstration which is really cool. But we're also going to have a demonstration of a densifier, which takes styrofoam or expanded polystyrene. And I hope I'm not going too fast for people listening uh, because there's all these 
terms out there. Correct. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't want to confuse anybody. So that's why I keep using Styrofoam, because people understand what Styrofoam is. Exactly. It's a trademark, trademark name from Dow Chemical. From Dow Chemical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're stuck. Wait, give them a ding. Give, yeah. them, their, give them their trademark. Because yeah. I don't wait, want... wait, that's from the 40s. Doesn't it run out? You know, <laughs> you know what? The trademarks don't run out no, anymore no. thanks to Disney, okay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the trademark laws, you just junk them in the United States. They don't exist, all right? Forget it. You can do anything you want. It's, it's, it's the Wild West when it comes to trademarks, thanks to Mickey Mouse. Right. Uh, but back to styrofoam. Uh, so, I want, first of all, I want to let folks know, if you find plastics interesting or solutions to plastic problems interesting, I should really put it that way, uh, I think you should sign up for this conference. It's mm-hmm. only 60 bucks and it's a half day. It, it, it is in Champaign, Illinois, but uh, there are some great speakers, including Ken, who's here right now, including B.K. Sharma, who we just uh, uh, mentioned. Uh, we're going to have um, Brian Plotner from the University of Illinois has done a survey about plastics recycling in Illinois. He's, you know, we need a baseline. So he's trying right. to figure out yes. who's doing what. And so good for him. And he's going to present that. Uh, we are also going to have Tanner Smith uh, from Delta Plastics talking about agricultural plastics recycling, mm-hmm. some of the film plastic that's going on there. So we're talking about this issue of this stuff that we make too much of in the world how do we deal with it after we make it? How do we manage it at all? Because, as you know, it's going into our oceans. We're ingesting it. Wildlife's ingesting it. Um, we can't get rid of it. I'm thinking of all the plastic right now. We talked about this a little bit on the program. We're going to do a show on this. All the plastic in Texas right now that's being piled up outside of people's homes that's going to end up in landfills. Right, because unfortunately, because of the severity of everything that's going on in Houston, FEMA relaxes all the rules. So even when I people go have know that. Yes. So when they so the problem is that when when you go to your house is destroyed now, you have dressers, you have beds, everything goes into a giant dumpster, including all electronics. Write that down, Peggy, because we've been talking about this yeah. about yeah, how it's, we want to do a show on this and it will be in the next couple of weeks and, about where's the junk going. Yeah, and, that you know, junk and everything from the Illinois flooding, where's that going? Yeah, exactly. And so, I, and, so I didn't know about that. So do you are, have you been involved in any of these recovery efforts for the flooding in Illinois? We we have we haven't gotten involved in any of that. Uh, we did uh, a couple of years ago when we had the tornado out in uh, out by Rockford in uh, Fairdale. Okay. So we we did some volunteer work through one of our uh, one of our employees uh lives out there he, he didn't get affected by the tornado but then so we did some volunteer work of sending a truck out there and helping with some stuff mm-hmm. but yeah it's that that's frustrating for me because yes it's i see all so that you're like us you're looking at the video and people think that once they've got the stuff piled outside they go yay i'm done i got it out of my house and i'm thinking no no yay now it's got to go someplace right and yeah. where's it going to go and what's in there and what is toxic in there? And a lot of it's toxic and it's all going to melt together and and stream together. And we're going to have uh, leachate and yeah. and that sort of thing going on for a long, long time. Well, you just think about all the food in people's refrigerators, you know, that has just been <laughs> it, which is going to get mixed mm-hmm. in with their couch and their dresser and that and 
30 <laughs> seconds after it gets dumped into a landfill, another truck's going to come and pile it up on top of it. And that bag's going to explode, and all that stuff's going to come out. And, yeah. Yeah, exactly. and all the toxic chemicals that were in their garage or in the auto repair shop or in the right wherever. Ex- yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, and I, I can't blame FEMA because there's nothing you can do about it. You, there's, the, well, you have to move fast. You yes. have to get that out of there. The problem is this shows once again that we're not set up. We don't have the infrastructure for these kinds of events. If we did, we would know what to do with that. We would have emergency provisions for that kind of mess. Right. Don't you think? I mean, shouldn't that be part of laws? But we're, we refuse to spend any money on our infrastructure. Uh, it's kind of going to be kind of interesting to watch the uh, the – uh, well, okay. I, well, to watch our, our our legislators and our administrators squirm as they're faced with all these expenses to fix Texas, and they don't want to spend any money. So, what do you think is going to happen? It's it's kind of interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. It's, all, yeah. Right. all right, but let's get back to you, Ken okay. Santowski, <laughs> uh, because you you're on a personal mission to recover. Expanded polystyrene um, or, or styrofoam. Uh, actually, I want to address the issue that you point out in the little blurb about the different kinds of plastics. All those, are those all, oh, I don't even know where to start. Um, all the polys there, <laughs> um, are they all of a family? Is that what, what, what connects all of those? It, it's yeah, they're all they're all start initially as as you said as a chemical process. It's no different than when you hear about, uh, you know, we imported a hundred million barrels of oil that day. You know, well, oil gets made into diesel fuel and gasoline and commercial jet fuel. So it all depends on the process where it goes and where it finally comes out to. Um, if you ever look at a chemical plant that's processing crude oil into fuel, you look to see that how it kind of uh they mix it a to get one b to get another c to get another well that's basically what happens with with plastics it starts out as as a, as a chemical process and then mm-hmm. depending on how you alter that chemical process is then what you make is polystyrene polyethylene polychloride so why are the polys so much more problematic than you know the pets and and others that are, are like ones and twos that you read about that are easily recycled the water bottles and so forth now we get into the the fives and sixes those are problematic why is that because unfortunately those are those are the 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 ugly plastics those are the hard plastics where the it's usually made out of a regrind or a reprocessed plastic so mm-hmm. the so the problem is is you can only you can only take a water bottle and you can only reprocess it so many more so many times before the chemical analysis if it breaks down and then it turns into then then they'll turn that into and they'll make a plastic car bumper out of it or playground equipment or the the, the monitor cover for here it's that's the problem is that plastics can always be recycled but at some point, it becomes the hard plastic of the sixes and it sevens. It becomes grosser and grosser. Exactly, that's, that's what happens with plastics. Right, um, and one of the issues that I've been railing about for years, for years, and friends of mine like Beth Botts, who used to write and still does occasionally for the Chicago Tribune, she now works at the Morton Arboretum. We we have our own mission because we're in the horticultural world as well. 
And that is, what do you do with horticultural plastic when it's finished? And there are various kinds. There are flats, there are trays, there are, there are containers, and, and some of them are thinner, some of them are thicker. And you can't throw those in recycling containers in most municipalities. And I always said, well, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. That stuff is recyclable. I know it because horticultural firms will collect it for recycling. So why don't municipalities collect it for recycling? Because it's a very complicated process to sort all that out. And that's what they do. And the problem is most people... But don't we have the machinery now? It's gotten so sophisticated it can blow, it can lift with magnets. I -hmm. mean, we have ways to separate stuff. We don't have ways to separate the polys? We have ways to separate it, but you think about it. you, You bought your potted plant in a plastic thing and you took it and you planted it in your garden. You actually rinse that out. Uh, I used to actually right. exactly you know because when because there was a time where they nobody would accept anything unless you rinsed it right exactly well that's what the problem is a lot of people now have stopped rinsing everything so if you imagine every that that one ounce of dirt for every little plastic planter that you have and you yeah. multiply that by millions now they now they're creating another problem mm-hmm. because now they're yeah they want to recycle the plastic from from the horticultural world but now they've got tons of dirt chemicals that possibly are in that plastic that because the hat was in the dirt so it's it's one of those things where we as a society keep pushing kicking the our own can down the road we get better at things but we actually don't really get better we just make the problem different exactly and one of the issues in the horticultural world is the marketing aspect of it the branding aspect not only are we creating uh these these containers which are usually what, number six plastic, right, right. generally? Yes. And uh, now, because of branding, these companies come up, I need a blue version, and I need a green version. And they it makes need their it, name on it. And they need their name on it, and it makes it even more difficult to recycle. Right, exactly. And that's, that's the biggest problem is, is everyone is starting to get into, you know, the marketing drives mm-hmm. what's going on. So, of course, yes, you know, you want to you have a blue water bottle. Well, that's great, except the problem is, is that separating the blue water bottles from the clear water bottles is then another process that has to be taken care of. Right, and so we've made uh, an already difficult process even harder. Correct. And, and, and I don't understand why. I'm, we're getting lots of likes up there. Somebody's liking what we're saying. <laughs> Good. We're watching, I'm watching the Facebook. I'm watching all the, the likes float across the screen on the Facebook Live. Uh, and so... I, that's what I don't understand is we know that this is a problem. We know that we're, we're drowning in plastic, and yet we just create, keep creating more and more. It was like when we were talking to um, Carl Zimring, uh, who wrote a book about recycling aluminum. He said, we know how to recycle aluminum. That's, that's, that is so recyclable. It's, it can be reused over and over again, and yet we're mining more bauxite than ever on yes. the planet which is the most dangerous and most ecological damaging uh, process you can imagine, we could be recycling our aluminum, but we're just creating more and more of it. Right. And there's, and there, again, there's another part of the problem we've created is because, <clears throat> you know, you, <clears throat> you, you know, you, you bought a can of, of a soft drink and, mm-hmm. and that, well, then of course now you have the plastic version, of course, which then you can make it last longer. You can close the cap up. So you're not sitting out. So the problem is now people have preferred to go to the, to buying a, a plastic, bottle of soda versus a can of soda so it's and then of course as you as you know <clears throat> if you go to any gas station you go to any 7-eleven you look in the garbage can and it's filled with all of that stuff none of it's been recycled none of right. it's been taken well that's care the of. other thing we can't yeah. we have a hard time yeah. getting people to do that 
Yeah. Or, or I was going to also mention the films. You know, we're, we're going down that path of the, the um, aluminum and plastic. And as people need more and more convenience foods and convenience products, it's not simple anymore. Everything becomes this mixed stream of individually recyclable, but together you can't recycle them. Right, because for a while they're um, sandwich bags. You mm-hmm. know, they said, well, they could recycle a sandwich bag, but they couldn't recycle the zipper part. You know, so, of course, people <laughs> oh, then. Oh, poor yeah. babies. So, oh. so, of course, then it, it, for a while there, people are like, well, I don't want to have to sit there and yeah. cut my sandwich bag. and Or wash it, the peanut butter out yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. So, so then, of course, everyone just started throwing it away. So now, but now there's processes now that can take both of those plastics. Yeah. And, uh, but, well, yeah. we got a question from uh, our friend Deb on uh, Facebook Live who's watching there. Uh, she wants to know. What type of takeout container should we request of businesses? And that's a really good question because we need to we need to start fighting back. What has happened, and it's because of things like Keep America Beautiful, which is from the uh, National, well, the uh, Keep America Beautiful mm-hmm. Foundation, whatever. Uh, and they took this whole issue and they put it on the backs of the consumers. It's it when they say stop being a litter bug. They're, they're pointing the figure at you and say, hey, it's your fault, yeah. not yeah. the manufacturers. And that's part of the problem with Keep America Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but everybody's got a responsibility here, and how do we deal with that? Um, I want to get into that. I also want to get into what you're doing personally here in the Chicago area. And I want to get into the idea of just how difficult it can be to recycle styrofoam and polystyrene. Uh, we're already uh, addressing that right now. Uh, that is Ken Santowski. He is from Chicago Logistics Service. If you want to participate in the conversation, give us a phone call, 847-475-1590, 847-475-1590. Or you can go to Facebook Live like uh, Deb did, and she's listening in Indiana, which we appreciate. And lately we've had we've had folks like in Sacramento and in, in Arkansas, um, all over the country, write us uh, to tell us that uh, they appreciate what we're doing here and they're listening to the program so that's always a, a good thing uh, it is the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki again 847-475-1590 we're talking about plastics uh, with Ken Santowski and we will get right back to him so please stick around Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health and lifestyle coaches, yoga classes, green landscapers, even home improvement and energy efficiency experts. Our dedicated readers pick up their free copies each month from more than 1,100 locations throughout the city and suburbs because they know it's the best source for information about healthy, green living in Chicago. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. If you garden in or around Chicago and you don't have a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I'm a little worried about you. 
That's because you're missing out on not only the Garden Magazine for our region, but one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, as well as articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, and What to Do in the Garden. Of course, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue, but into each life a little rain must fall. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere, but go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. We're talking to Ken Santowski uh, from Chicago Logistic Service. Inc., I believe. Yes. Right. All right. Uh, let's tell us a little bit of your story before we answer these questions, because you have a really interesting story. Uh, and in a couple of minutes, can you can you give that to us? I think I can do it in a nutshell. Um, I uh, became a love hater of styrofoam uh, back in the late 80s, um, mostly because out of laziness. Um, I was working for a moving company. And of course, back in the late 80s, that's when computers came were first coming out and had these giant monitors that weighed 90 pounds. Well, of course, they packed everything in styrofoam. Well, I was the warehouse manager in mm-hmm. charge of the garbage. And so uh, we saved all the boxes because we reused them as a moving company, but all the styrofoam came in. Well, of course, we'd fill the dumpster up literally in one day. Well, the problem was is that the wind would come along and would blow the styrofoam all over the parking lot and all over the neighbor's yards. So my boss said, you need to come up with a solution to this problem. So we did some research and found a company uh, in uh, Thornton, Illinois, that actually recycled styrofoam at the, at the time. And that was in the late 80s. So I started, uh, I talked to them, started sending truckloads of styrofoam to them. And fast forward, I'm still here 30 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But, 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 what, what, but one <clears throat> of the things about, about doing that, as you've discovered along the way, is there's very few places for people to do anything with their styrofoam. One of the things you can do if you've got popcorn styrofoam, the packing stuff, you can take it to a UPS, and they will accept it. Good for them. Yes. Uh, does FedEx accept that? FedEx does not. What's wrong with you, FedEx? The FedEx, great company. <laughs> FedEx, great company. I was about to say something there. FedEx, great company, but they, they worry about contamination. Uh, they worry. You know what? I worry about it, too. You know? Yes. So so do something good for the planet, yes, okay, because, instead of just cashing in, all yes, right? So yes, that means uh, ship with UPS. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> UPS and all the little mom and pop pack and mail stores, I call those. I, there's, I have a list. It's on the uh, plastics uh, recycling. Uh, there's a plastics recycling website, and um, the list most of the time just oh, mostly yeah. UPS. Oh, yeah. that list of where to take your yeah. phone. So I call them once a month when I have a, a deluge of it, and I call them and find out who needs it. And then um, and because I run a trucking company— I have my guys then drop it off at those places all throughout all of Chicagoland and, and middle Illinois. One of the things about polystyrene, and I've said this before, styrofoam, expanded polystyrene, the people who manufacture it will say it's 100% recyclable, and that's always their mantra. Hey, it's 100% recyclable, and if you don't recycle it, as you pointed out, it'll be in the landfill forever, basically. It's, it's not going to break down anytime soon. No. No. It's just there. But 
in terms of it being 100% recyclable, the problem with that is there's about 10 places in the whole country mm-hmm. where you can recycle it. That's not good. That's, not, that's just not enough. And it doesn't, it's not cost, uh, what's the word, cost? Um, effective. Effective, yeah, to, uh, to transport it because it's so light. You're using more fuel to transport it than you are saving money when you recycle it. Right. You fill up a semi full of styrofoam, just common styrofoam. You're talking about fifteen hundred pounds uh-huh. of, mm-hmm. to fill up that whole trailer, and yet it's it costs about a little over a dollar and a half a mile to run a semi. But you're working with the Dart Corporation, and they're one of the people that have something called a, a densifier, which where they take polystyrene and they they condense it, and then are able to reuse it. Is that what happens? Well, it's it's a process, of course. Um, what the densifier does is it it chops it all up. And then because styrofoam is, you know, 90% air. So it's, they chop it up, take all the air out, and then they recompact it down. Um, they can get it down to 70 or 80 to 1. So what they do is then they do that, and then they put that, that brick of densified styrofoam then through a, through a process. Then that actually turns it back into plastic. It can't be turned back into styrofoam. It has to be a grosser, mm-hmm. again, a grosser plastic. Right. So it's like it's on its way to being a park bench, right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Or what it or is. a recycling bin. Yeah. Or, or, or something. Or yeah. Like or your that. front bumper that's on the expressway right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we still have that issue, even though you're working with Dart and they're and you're you're picking it up. But the only reason you're doing it is because you're a good guy. Is you've decided somebody's got to do it. Nobody's doing it. And is there anybody else doing this in the Chicago area besides you? Not that I know of on any regular okay, basis. Okay, that's insane. Yeah. Right there. Let's stop right there. That's insane. All right, but you're doing it, and you're based in McHenry, so you're really kind of working Lake McHenry and Kane and Kane counties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we just saw an article that was out there about you trying to set up places where people can drop it off and then they some of them are closed and now they're trying you're trying to reopen them what's that all about yeah we what happened was uh before dart's always been a great partner and that but i had i was forced to transport all the stuff mm-hmm. down to dart in their facility in aurora well um we were filling up a trailer every four weeks of styrofoam wow so um but uh, and then we had our own densifier, and I was selling the densified styrofoam to a, an end user who was turning it back into plastics. Well, of course, uh, great for everyone else because oil prices came down. We're at $42 a barrel. Well, the problem is is that when oil prices come down, nobody wants uh, reprocessed plastic. They can get virgin plastic for just as cheap. So, of course, then the commodities prices for densified styrofoam fell through the bottom. Mm. So it literally was came down to where I made just enough money to pay for the transportation to literally they wanted to start charging me to process the styrofoam. Ugh. Well, my business partner of, of 20 years said, um, Ken, no, 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 we're not going to go there. <laughs> I don't mind doing all your recycling efforts, he said. But he goes, when it, when it was a break-even thing, he goes, but it's and, – and we still spend about $10,000 a year out of the company's money to, to do all, this, all of our recycling efforts. But um, – when we shut the program down in June of last year, we had spent over $25,000 in wow. the first six months mm. to, to do what we did. And finally, he just said, he just said we we got to find a solution. And the solution was, let's shut it down mm-hmm. and think it through. Well, the good thing was is that we shut it down. And then 
uh, WGN and a couple other radio and TV stations got involved and said, well, why is this happening? Yeah, he had that great piece on WGN. Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, Julie Unruh, great person. She did, a, she did a lot for our organization of getting— I, I've worked with Julie before, yeah. Yes. yeah and got a, uh, uh, we got things going, and then Dart stepped up and said, how can we actually help get this going again? And I said to him, I said, well, you can give me $1.5 million. And they said, anything short of that? Okay, 1.2. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. so, so I said, okay, well, and they said, well, what if we provide all the transportation yeah. from your warehouse? So they worked out a program that Dart drops off an empty trailer at my facility, and then we fill it up. Now, we still have to transport it from the various sites. We shut all the sites down. We had 10 of them through uh, McHenry and Lake and Kane County. We shut all the sites down temporarily. Uh, August 1st, we just reopened our first site. That's at the uh, Algonquin Township um, mm-hmm. Municipal Collection site on uh, on uh, Route 14. Uh, just uh, Ariana's nodding. Have you taken polystyrene there? Yeah, um, they, we used to have a uh, styrofoam recycling at the Nunda Township. Yes, uh-huh. and then it disappeared, and now yeah, now, I you, know now why. you know the now the know answer. Why. So yeah, that's because of me. <laughs> yeah, I'm the bad guy. I had oh, to shut it down. He's the bad guy and the good guy at the same time, which is right. really weird. But I was still collecting it all at my warehouse, so I still had people bringing it to me because mm-hmm. they were frustrated and like, no, I refuse to do this. And, and people like yourself saved it in their garage and said, I'm going to pile it up until you figure out a solution because I told them I will figure out a solution. And there's a lot of us doing that. Believe me. there's a, mm-hmm. And you know that. Yes. You know that. So yeah. so you're you're starting to open up these places, drop-off places again. Yes. And Nunda Township is we are in the negotiations with them to, to reopen the site. The problem is is that the for the styrofoam, to it, it's got to be housed in a closed building. Yeah. Because the wind mm-hmm. and the rain, because if it's if it's windy, it's going to blow all over. Oh my goodness! And and if it's and if it gets if it gets filled with water or with with snow, it just becomes another problem to me because then I have to lay it out and dry it all and let it all dry oh, out. No, no, no. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> at that point, at yeah, that point, exactly. No. And right. And at some point, it's it's because believe me, it. I've I've taken styrofoam that has been contaminated. I threw it in my dumpster, and 20 minutes later, I felt so guilty. I went back there and figured out a way to clean it out. <laughs> and and here's another thing. Uh, and he told me this when we met before. You've never made a dime on any of this. No, I do not make any money off of this. It's just a it's just a passion that I've had because I decided to choose something that was really difficult. Yeah, good for you. Because nobody else did it. Because, you know, everyone did. Because there was no competition. The easy thing's crazy. You know, yeah, exactly. You I, could, I could have collected aluminum cans. Yeah. You know. But no, he's got to go for uh, styrofoam. Yeah, and of course, All I right. went for the biggest, bulkest, and lightest weight. Crazy. We only got a couple minutes here. Okay, the first, really, in like 30 seconds, what do you, what's your answer to Deb, who wrote and said, what do you tell people uh, that you're buying this stuff from? What should they be doing? Takeout containers. Your takeout containers, the, the, the first thing you can do is if you... If you can get over the awkwardness of it, take a takeout container from your home mm-hmm. with you, a reusable one, and take it with you to the restaurant. How and, do and how do we lobby for less styrofoam in our in our in our world? I mean, this is crazy because you're doing it. You're doing it for free. Nobody else is doing it. This is insane. This is insanity. It's it's very very difficult because the plastics industry is such a predominant industry so they run us okay they could control yeah. us so, so they are our overlords and right. we just have to bow to them so the best thing to do is is go to when you go to your restaurant and they want to give you styrofoam say do you have another mm-hmm. container and that most of them will have 
And yes, the aluminum and the plastic ones that they have, yes, that's. But that's a better alternative than mm-hmm. to the styrofoam because we know the aluminum, we know the plastic can be readily re- recycled. Uh-huh. The best thing to do is find out if they have a compostable one, and that's that's the ideal. I always use. try to do that. And and what the the small businesses will tell you though, we can't afford it, and they can't because their overhead is is so small, their, their margin of profit is so small, they really can't. And so, at any rate, and what are you going to tell a bunch of recyclers on the twelfth of September? I mean, you're, this is one thing talking to people like us, you know, the civvies. But what about the r- r- professionals? Well, I, I, the thing I'm going to ask the professionals, professionals is, is what they're doing to help us, the common person, figure out what, to, what they can and will recycle. You know, your bag of potato chips, your Snickers bar wrapper, your, you know, any, all that stuff is made out of plastic. Mm-hmm. But most people don't realize that they'll take their water bottle and put it in the recycle bin, but they'll have a bag of Cheetos, great Cheetos. And, um, no, but, not really. Okay, <laughs> but they but they don't realize that that is also recyclable. It's made out of plastic. So we could do something with that, except we refuse to go down that road at this point. Exactly. All right, Ken Santowski, thank you so much. For more information, go to my website, mikenovak.net, or go to uh, chicagologisticservice.com. I will see you on the 12th yes. for the IRA. And go and find out the IRA uh, seminar. Yes, come see me. Streets Alive, Evanston's free annual Open Streets event is coming to Main Street in Evanston on September 10th from 1 to 5 p.m. Streets Alive features a climbing wall, yoga, karate demos, music, interactive art, delicious food, and more. It also includes the Evanston Green Living Festival for folks looking for products, services, and ideas that promote sustainable lifestyles. For details, visit evanstonstreetsalive.org. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Hi, this is Peggy Malecki. How would you like to drive to the Garden Center in a 2017 Tesla Model X Sport Utility Vehicle? The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a Tesla to help fund their work in advancing clean energy development. Each ticket is $100, but you can get four tickets for $300. But hurry, only 2,500 tickets will be sold, and you can buy as many as you like. The drawing is December 7th, and you don't need to be present to win. Go to IllinoisSolar.org for details. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Find out what's going on in Evanston. Tune in to Haggerty's Huddle every other Monday on French and Friends. Brought to you by Chicago Lee Magazine. Name the city's top magazine. Don't just read more, read better. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show. This is what we were trying to play before. Little Jack Johnson. 
It's a magic number. It's a magic number. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. It's a magic number. But what does it have to do with Jack? Because two times three is six. And three times six is eight. Yeah, so? And the 18th letter in the alphabet is Okay. We got three R's. Ah, we're now we're getting to the, the subject here. We got to learn to reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. That's what we were trying mm-hmm. to play before. Reduce, reuse, recycle uh, in that order. Okay. Reduce. Refuse. And refuse is that actually numero uno. It's at the top of the list. Uh, let's go to the phone line and bring in a buddy of mine, Michael Howard. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Mike Novak. How are you today? <laughs> Good morning, Michael. I'm great. Oh, Peggy, how are you? Wonderful. And uh, the last time Michael was with us was when Peggy and I were at Pirate Radio, and he and uh, you and Amelia came in in person. Yeah, Arr. Amelia did come in. That's right. Arr. You know, we got to have you come to our, <laughs> you know, it's almost Talk Like a Pirate Day. I believe it's the 19th of September. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> no, talk... is there really a day yeah. like that? Yeah, there oh, really yeah. is. Oh, yeah, I've got a whole Talk Like a Pirate book. Arr. 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 I Arr. Want... There you go. We be talking like pirates here okay. on the Mike Novak Ben's show. going, I am so happy this is my last day. <laughs> no, ben, you got to stick around to talk like a pirate day. Uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, French will do something. Dan French will probably do something on his show about that. He should, if not. Uh, but the reason we got Michael Howard on the show is because he is, you are, uh, this this term is used too much, but it's the only one popping into my head. You're a force of nature. Um and a lot of people use that, but you are. Uh, you have single-handedly moved dirt, and <laughs> and literally, and moved opinions and minds and hearts uh, on the south side of Chicago to create Eden Place Nature Center. And you're working even harder because you are now doing a fundraiser. And I told people earlier in the show, and I'm going to say it again, if you're out there and you're looking at all the relief efforts for Texas, and and that's great. I'm happy that people are donating there. I think it's great. But some of you people who are like, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of people donating to Texas. Why don't I do something local? Let's do something here in Chicago. I would say go to the GoFundMe for Eden Place Nature Center, and you can find that a couple of places. You can find it at uh, uh, at your website, which is what, Michael? Eden, EdenPlaceNatureCenter.org. Okay, Eden Place. Main, Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Yeah, that's our main uh, webpage for the Nature Center. Okay. And you can also get us at Eden Place uh, Facebook, Eden Place Nature Center. Okay. Are you on, are you on speakerphone there, dude? No, actually, no. I'm not, I'm in a room that's echoing. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> wow. Okay, you're in the nature. You're somewhere there. Uh, but you can also go to my website, MikeNovak.net. I've got it written up. You can go to my Facebook page. We've got it on the Facebook page, uh, and we want folks to go there because you're trying to ra- you're trying to raise a lot of money, dude. Well, yes, it's been a, a great uh, uh, um, effort that we've put forth, and we're now on phase two of our uh, capital campaign. We've gone through phase one where we've raised over a quarter of a million dollars to put in a foundation, uh, some plumbing, some sewers, some water lines, and electrical for the new 7,000-square-foot environmental learning center that will become the permanent home for the Nature Center. And it's a a project that's, you know, in in the making. And now we're on to phase two to raise the money to put the shell up, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, 
We're working with contractors like Ozinga, an ICF uh, form contractor that have pledged to almost match dollar for dollar what we raised, but the challenge is for us to come up with the 250000 and they will get the shell of the building built for us. Wow. So you've already raised a quarter of a mil. You're trying to get another quarter of a mil. Um, I, it just seems overwhelming to me. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you get up in the morning and do this? It's really by faith, Michael. I'm, I'm really doing all the work that I do along with my wife, Amelia, to really try to leave a legacy in the community of Fuller Park for the children for, of the entire south side of Chicago as we try to make them stewards of this great American outdoors that we all get to enjoy every day. And we want to try to build more people that are ready to take over from us to keep this green legacy on the south side of Chicago going in perpetuity. You know, what happened? You've already spent a quarter mil to put the foundation. You you got to raise the other money now because then, the fo- right. then the foundation sits there. So you, you've got to do that. And I've fo- got to do it. Yes, you have to. There, you, there's no turning back. Yes, Ken? Where's the actual building site going to be, the address? The actual address is 351 West 43rd Place in Chicago, Illinois. And you've got to know that it's right next to the tracks. Um, right next to the railroad tracks. That's exactly right. And we kind of are like a hidden gem. So unless you get the directions straight, you'll kind of miss us because that's one of the things we like about being uh, the original urban oasis on the south side of Chicago. Uh, You have to look for an oasis, but once you get there, you get to enjoy the rest and the splendor that it has for you. And you've got to know also that more than 20 years ago, this was a toxic dump, and yes, it, was. it was a fly-by-nighter. It was the place where people said, oh, nobody's paying attention here. Let's dump stuff, and it was it was stories high, stories high. and Stories high when we found it, yes. Yeah, and Michael came in and said, enough, enough, and you started pulling that out, and you got that out of there, and you, you figured out how to plant stuff, uh, how to grow things. You have a CSA. Uh, you're teaching people how to grow things organically. You've brought in farm animals, so kids in the inner city who have never seen a goat know what a goat looks like. <laughs> oh, yeah, Lady Gaga. <laughs> Lady Gaga, is that your goat? Lady Gaga the goat? That's the goat. I lo- that, gets a, that gets a ding, baby. Uh, and and ducks, and I mean, just, I've been out there. We shot a video when I was doing uh, my TV show several years back, which I guess you're using on your GoFundMe uh, uh, effort. Yes, we were very proud to be able to uh, use that footage to explain to people, because you did such a great job showing people the work that we're doing at Eden Place Nature Center and the goats and the chickens and the ducks and the ponies <laughs> and the turkeys, you know, and the geese, you know, they all came out looking splendidly on your film. So we thought that would be a great vehicle to give people, you know, an update on what Eden Place Nature Center is about. So I I am... I am pleading with you, people listening to this show. I don't do this very often. I don't go out and tell people to give money to anything. Uh, I'm saying give money to dig deep, uh, give, give something to Eden Place Nature Center, to Michael Howard and Amelia Howard's dream and other people out there who worked very hard. You've wanted yeah, one of the funniest things that, uh, that I remember about you, Michael, is the first time I came down to visit and we were in your office, which was in a trailer uh, yes. there. 
and you showed me all the awards you had on the wall from Eden Place Nature Center. And I said, wow, look at all those awards. And you said, yeah, it sure would be nice if some cash came with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> You've got a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> I do, man. That just stuck with me because yeah. you can get all the awards you want, but it doesn't get stuff done. Uh, and you now you've got to translate that. So I'm tell, saying you to you folks, he's won the awards. He's legit. You need to donate to this. You need to go to my website or go to EdenPlaceNatureCenter.com and uh, go to the GoFundMe. And come on, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Just throw something there that you know is going to work here in the city of Chicago and do some real good because you've already done real good. How's that for a pitch? That's a great pitch, and we really thank you from Eden Place. And I, I would like your listeners to know that we are celebrating our 18 years of uh, – of, uh, of, of uh, work at Eden Place Nature Center. So we've been doing this work for a long time out of a, a trailer and two tents. Wow. And we really would like to have more partners to come on board well, to we're, help us get this permanent facility. Well, we're going to follow up on this, Michael. So good luck. And folks, do it right now. It's a Sunday morning. Thank you, Mike. We'll be back with Monica Eng. Stick around. Captain's Log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-475-1590. Here they are again. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Whenever my head starts to hurt, before it goes from bad to feeling worse, I turn off my phone, I get down low, and put my hands in the dirt. I try to stop the world from moving so fast, try to get a grip on where okay. We're here. I'm sorry. I'm, like, I'm, I'm in the middle of like, hey, did you see this? I'm not paying any attention to the show. Welcome back. It's the second hour of the Mike Novak Show. On 1590, W, that went out quickly, WCGO, yeah, and uh, Chicago Smart Talk, and uh, we've got uh, Monica Eng in the studio, we're going to get to in a second, and we were just showing her different stuff Mm -hmm. about her own story, your story is already being um, appropriated, shall we say, by other people. It happens all the time, doesn't it? It's the sincerest form of flattery. It is. It really is. You know that from years of working uh, in uh, the Tribune and the Sun-Times and Southtown. um, And uh, we are back live on Facebook. And we are back live on Facebook. So that's Monica Eng. Wave. Hi. Okay. And, uh, yes, no, you you have not tuned into uh, Bob Edwards. 
uh, on a Sunday morning. It's Mike Novak uh, with Peggy Malecki. And uh, we wanted to, to mention a couple of things uh, before we move forward. Uh, and one of them is uh, going back to Ken Santowski and the uh, discussion we were having about plastics. And, you know, that's that's an issue that, that just makes your head explode sometimes when you realize that, we worry we don't we don't deal with the back end of of these issues which is uh the life of a product and ultimately what happens to it the whole cradle to cradle mm-hmm. philosophy uh and monica knows that um you you you've studied enough environmental issues to mm-hmm. know plastics is probably the worst um and electronics we create this stuff we you know the manufacturers send it out they're only interested in the profit and uh as get it out as cheaply as we can. And one of the things that any of us who have been studying this for a while realize, it's not cheap if there's environmental degradation at the end of it, if there is wildlife that's harmed at the end of this, if there's carbon released in the atmosphere at the end of this. That's not cheap. It's You, you call it cheap, but you're lying about it. You're just not telling the truth. It's you, cheap you, now and expensive later. Exactly. Not looking at all the costs. Right. You, mm-hmm. and, and we don't, we don't teach that. We we when we don't teach our citizens how to look for that, and that's a problem. So, getting back to the recycling association, the Illinois Recycling Association, and this seminar on plastics on the twelfth of September, I will be down there, and, and a bunch of folks. Uh, and I think you should come down if you're interested in the subject at all, and and what the end use is of a lot of these products. Uh, I want you to go to IllinoisRecycles.org. You can sign up there or just go to my website, MikeNovak.net, and you'll see the first article is called One Man's War Against Styrofoam Waste. Uh, And I've got the link to Revitalizing Plastics Recycling, which is the name of the symposium, which is a week from Tuesday uh, down in Champaign. And like I said, it's only 60 bucks and uh, you're going to learn a lot. And it includes two, count them, two Two. demonstrations. One on pyrolysis, which is uh, plastics to oil, reverting uh, plastics back to oil, and the other is a densifier, what to do with our expanded polystyrene. Or poly- <laughs> and, yeah. and Monica's <laughs> rolling her eyes. And no, going, not at all. I, I did a story when I was at the Chicago Tribune about the fact that that's what we were using for school lunch trays. And we, we added it up and we measured them. I think we said within a week you had enough that would they would be higher than the Sears Tower or the Willis Tower. And I I don't want to take credit, but all of my constant lobbying and bugging CPS about this got them to switch to compostable, which is great if they actually composted them. So come on guys, let's compost those now. Are they not? Uh Do they we know? they don't have they don't have a comprehensive composting program. You know, and, uh, They're trying. Uh, Some are trying, but they don't say even they can get do me it. started on this. So yeah. anyway, I wanted to make sure that people had that information in case they want to sign up for this uh symposium. The other thing is uh again uh, the Eden Place Nature Center and Michael Howard and the great work they're doing in the Fuller Park neighborhood of Chicago. Uh you can go to EdenPlaceNatureCenter.org. I said dot com before. I think dot mm-hmm. com will take you there as well. Yeah. Dot org. EdenPlaceNatureCenter.org. Or just go to my website, MikeNovak.net. It's up there. Uh, and the link to the GoFundMe campaign. Uh, they've, they're, <laughs> they're trying to raise a quarter million dollars. Okay. Oh, 
And, you know, I think uh, about paying my rent uh, or my mortgage uh, each week and uh, or each month. And uh, there they are trying to do that. So was there one more thing you wanted to mention? Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Yeah, which we are uh, we are in the process of wrapping up the gardening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a contest that w- we took over because the city of Chicago doesn't do it anymore. And mm-hmm. we created it through this show and Natural Awakenings Magazine and Illinois Extension and others. And... We have been judging gardens, and we are going to have an award ceremony this month. So stay tuned for that. We will be telling folks about that. And it's it's amazing. The community gardens out there and backyard gardens and how interesting they all are. They all have stories behind the them. The stories are the best part. The best yeah. part I is— I should have entered my garden. Darn it. You didn't know about this, Monica? Yes, yeah, you should yeah. have. You'd have probably won an award. Um, but we're we're trying to rebuild that— tradition in Chicago. The fact that it went away is a crime. And but there's a lot of crimes going on in Chicago. And I and, <laughs> and I don't mean I don't mean the kind of crimes you think about with bang bang. I'm thinking environmental crimes and other kinds of social crimes that, that happen in the city of Chicago. All right, when we come back, we're talking to WBEZ's Monica Eng uh, about agriculture in the city of Chicago. Did you know we used to be the pickle capital of uh, America, maybe? Maybe the world, who knows? <laughs> Celery capital? Stick around for that. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Are you ready to make a positive change in the world around you? One that is easy and creates beauty? Make the switch to native plants, natural communities' native plants. Enjoy the elegance of nature, the birds, the pollinators, and yes, even monarch butterflies without the excessive maintenance and without pesticides. Natives create food for our pollinators and birds, offset climate change, cleanse water, reduce floodwaters, and they look great. Natural Communities has more than 200 species of affordable woodland, wetland, and prairie plants, as well as shrubs, trees, and seeds native to the Midwest. And now is the time to get those plants established in your yard for a head start next year. Go to naturalcommunities.net. And if you use the magic word NOVAK, N-O-W-A-K, at checkout, you'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. Don't just get back to nature. Create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. What is this, anyhow? This is your talk. This is America, Jack. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Are we playing Asleep at the Wheel this morning? I thought we were in the other segment. Honest to goodness, I thought it was, uh, we, I was waiting for uh, Jason Mraz to come on, but no. <laughs> Wow.
got our, are, are you a North Side gal, Monica? I, I am, born and bred. Really? Yeah. Where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in North Park, just north of Albany Park. Hmm. My parents uh, were born and raised in Uptown. They went to Sen. My grand... Sen? Oh, my goodness. Now, that's considered Edgewater now. That's Edgewater, but... Because uh, I used to live across the street from Sen. Oh, there you go. Yeah. They grew up uh, around... Well, there was no high school in that area, so they grew up around uh, the... Well, Uptown, so like on um, Hutchinson and Clarendon, my dad... My mom was Racine right by uh, Graceland Cemetery. Mm-hmm. And Sen is what they were zoned for. My grandfather went to Crane Tech because they were hmm. West Garfield Park people. So Wow. Yeah. You, so you're, you know. My kids I, go to CPS. So we're fourth generation CPS. Wow. Yeah. That's great. She gets a ding. Yeah, she There we go. <laughs> yeah. Wait. She gets two. All right. There we go. That's Monica Ang, WBEZ's Monica Ang, but you might remember her from the Chicago Tribune. Uh, that's where we first met when we were both. Uh, covering food issues, mm-hmm. um, and um, she has uh, been at the Sun-Times. She's been everywhere. She's uh, five times. I've time. been around. Yeah, you have been. You know, and you look like you're 20, which really which really drives so me crazy. 22. Like 22. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I started in journalism in 1985. Did you really? Yeah. My mom was dating Roger Ebert. Are you serious? Totally serious. And he said, she's got she's got four kids. She said, do, he said, do any of your kids need a job this summer? We need a copy clerk at uh, the Sun-Times. And I said, I'm not doing anything. I'll be a copy clerk. And I haven't left journalism since. I wish. I mean, I wish I had had that kind of yeah. uh, that start. That's that's yeah. that's a cool thing. I was busy trying to, to make my way. Well, I wanted to end up in Hollywood. I ran a theater company in the 80s. Oh, wow. For 10 years. Yeah. And uh, in fact, it's weird. I got a... This, in the past week, I've gotten two notices, two emails, people asking me to audition for stuff. And I haven't done anything in wow. a while. Um, and why not? You know, it, it's the problem is what I found out about most of the stuff that I do in theater, uh, because I did mostly non-equity theater, non-union theater, is that I always lost money. Yeah. It's like, it, not it, a great it, business plan. No, mm-hmm. it's not. Well, you know, look at all the wonderful uh, areas that I've been, the lucrative areas. Uh, not, <laughs> not, not-for-profit theater, uh, horticulture, radio, all those yeah. things that where you just get rich you overnight. Got mountains of money behind Oh, you. my gosh. Yeah. In fact, I, I got a wheelbarrow here. We need to pull some of this money out of here. Can you help me with that? <laughs> but uh, there are that? more important things, aren't there? I have found that out. I guess so. And and you have found that out, yes, too. Yes, I stayed in journalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, exactly. I, I know what, the feeling. What are you, nuts? <laughs> yeah. You're crazy, and now you work for NPR? Come on. Yeah. What what the heck? We One of us in this room has to make some money, some cash. Oh, yeah. you know, Ariana? <laughs> Uh, and, and, of course, Peggy is, is publishing Natural Awakenings Chicago. Right. And, you know, you got cash uh, for days, too. Yeah, it's ne- parked next to your wheelbarrow. <laughs> exactly. Yes. There's a couple of wheelbarrows here. I'm an environmental studies graduate. I, I don't know what you uh, What were you thinking? I don't know. What were you It must thinking. be Ben who's rolling in the dough over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, it's Audie. Audie, 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 Audie the dog. The uh, so. Uh, yeah, so that's Monica Ang, and she um, and I were together with Peggy at an event in July, which was for Angelic Organics Learning Center, and they had their big farm... Um, farm dinner. Farm, farm harvest. I, and I, and uh, peak farm, harvest. Peak yeah. harvest. Peak yes. harvest farm dinner. Yes. Wow. Whew, never get that right. And uh, so... Uh, they asked me to be the auctioneer, and I said, uh, oh, cool, who's emceeing? And they said, well, Monica Eng. And I said, oh, my nemesis. Okay, yes, great. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know if you read my blog last night, but, you know, w- while you're introducing people and saying, here's the so-and-so we're going to give an award to, I'm the guy going, 
Do I hear 1,800? 1,800. <laughs> yeah, I think you were interviewing a goat, too. And I was interviewing yeah. a goat. So when you ducked out, I was interviewing goats and trying to raise money. Um, and that's that's a hard job. I'm just good at saying, and the next person who's going to talk is this person. <laughs> so she be, instantly became my nemesis until she said, hey, I'm working on this great story about Chicago and uh, the stuff that used to be grown here and how we were an agricultural hub uh, yeah. You wouldn't think of it, but and and we're not talking about the Illinois. We're talking about in the city of Chicago and right yep. next to the city of Chicago, where we used to grow all kinds of stuff like celery. and And I find it really interesting that you wrote we grew pickles. Yes, you didn't say cucumbers. Well, you know, it was called the the uh, Budlong Pickle Farm, not the cucumber right. farm. That's, a little pickling. Yeah, pickle. because I think... Did your editors well, look at that and say, oh, Monica? They're like, you mean cucumbers, right? And yeah, but there's certain cucumbers that you grow for pickling. And mm-hmm. so yes, there in are. the biz, they call them pickles, too. I'll be darned. That's what I learned. That's what you learned. Yes. See? Nobody else knows that, but you do. Right. But I mean <laughs> cucumbers very specifically. Yeah, so um, a woman named Barb Carney wrote into our Curious City show, and she said, you know... I lived in Winnemac Park, and I had all these neighbors, these elderly German neighbors who would say, you know, this used to be a huge flower farm and a pickle farm right around here. And she thought, how could that be? You know, there are all these tire shops and restaurants and and (laughs) And apartment buildings yeah, Yeah. and schools. And so she wanted me to look into it and find out what was grown in Chicago in the early days, you know, essentially 100 years ago. And there was a lot. I mean, so in addition to celery, Edgewater was actually the the center for celery, but it was called Lakeview at the time because Lakeview Township went from Fullerton all the way to uh, to Devon. Mm. And it was a separate township from Chicago until it got absorbed into um, Chicago in, I believe, 1897. Uh, but, um, but they said Lakeview is the celery capital of the country. And, yeah, there were all sorts of big boasts. You know, mm-hmm. newspapers would make all sorts of... Exaggerated boasts, but people would call it yeah. the celery capital of the and, country because we had sandy soil. And celery was a big deal back then. Yes, and believe it or not, everybody wanted celery. You can go online if you type into Google um, crystal celery mm-hmm. vases. Celery vases, yeah. These celery vases, everybody wanted them on the table because everybody was eating raw celery because there was a big health craze at the time where these gurus are like, chew, chew, chew lots of stuff that's really good for you. And celery had that fiber and they believed it could just cure anything. There were all sorts of celery compounds, these celery drinks that they would sell for health. They oh, said they we could... put one. Uh, Peggy found where's the pain that... celery uh, compound, or oh, this bromo celery. Yeah, there were so many of them. Bromo celery, splendid curative agent for nervous or sick <laughs> headache, brain exhaustion, sleeplessness, uh, special or general neuralgia. Also for rheumatism, gout, kidney disorders, acid dyspepsia, uh, anemia. Antidote for alcoholic and other excesses. Wow. So yeah, 10, 25, and 50 cents. Oh, and Western Avenue. I love that. The Arnold Chemical Company. Another big one was pain, celery compound. And mm-hmm. yeah, they said basically it cured all those same things. So everybody wanted celery. And Chicago, what did we have at the turn of the century that nobody else had? This incredible network of railroads. Mm-hmm. So we already had this big advantage. If you grow it here, you can get it out to the rest of the country tomorrow. Mm-hmm. No problem. You don't have to truck it into Chicago. Get someone to represent you and send it out. You're already here. So even if we didn't have tons of farmland, we already had that huge advantage of transportation. And I found that was behind the stories of a lot of these things. 
Why do we have pickles here? Well, you can make the pickles and send them out. We had Squire But, but we also pickles. had the people who knew how to make the pickles. Exactly. Eastern European immigrants right. who were like, hey, I know pickling. And <laughs> do I know pickling? <laughs> so we had Squire Dinghy pickles in Ravenswood. I beg your what'd you call me? Squire Dinghy. That was the guy's name. <laughs> that was my nickname in high yeah. school. He was a friend of Conrad Solzer who founded Lakeview. And they were all pals with Lyman Budlong, who had this enormous pickle farm and vegetable farm. Uh, right around where um, where Rose Hill Cemetery is. Mm-hmm. Right. You, uh, you said, like, Foster and Lincoln. Yeah. And there were photographs of Foster and Lincoln at that time, and, and they're farm fields. Yeah. It's just and amazing. Greenhouses. Yeah. Lyman Budlong's brother, he decided, his name was Joseph, he decided, I'm going to get into flowers. So originally he had these greenhouses for vegetables, then he got into flowers, and did you know Chicago was the flower capital mm-hmm. of the country? I didn't know it until you wrote yeah. about it. Yeah. How did we do it? Well... The fields and also the greenhouses. We had more greenhouses, according to uh, Kathy Jean Maloney's book. We Illinois had more greenhouse acreage than any other state. We had the Moninger Greenhouse Building Company, and you know it's, it's all these factors. We had tons of cheap coal from downstate that was coming up here for the railroads. Right, because you needed you needed to heat the greenhouses. Mm-hmm. Right. But what I wrote uh, on my blog last night, it, it just popped into my head. We were the California of the Midwest. Right. We're like the salad bowl. Or Before the, the California, salad bowl. Yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And and then also, if, you know, looking through uh, Chicago Gardens, Kathy, yeah. Kathy Jean Maloney's book, also all the seed industry that started, yeah, the flower seeds. I didn't even get seeds. to that. But we were a seed capital and all those beautiful seed packages. Yeah. Uh, so... So we were the celery capital because of the sandy soil. Oh, and, and, and I want to read that to you sure. here because yeah. I love this quote. Now, you talked to... Um, Edgar Sanders, like well, he's he's dead, but I definitely quoted from. Oh, his, I'm sorry, uh, from I'm his <laughs> <laughs> from his diaries about horticulture. Well, is he a friend of Frederick Douglass? Uh, so who's doing great work? Doing great work. Doing great work. So yeah. no, Edgar Sanders said Lakeview Township soil was black, boggy, and plentiful, mixed with sand. He added, "There is no land which can compete." For such as this, for celery culture, I just love the idea. You know, he's standing there with the vest on and right. the tie, and he's no land can big, compete. Big in, mustaches, right? right exactly. Right, right. Was, and we a, had all the manure too. And we had manure. Like a lot of these guys would tell me, "Oh yeah, Grandpa." You're we, not talking about Chicago politics, are you? But oh, bomb! Very good. Man. All right. <laughs> um, these guys would tell me, you know, Grandpa would go down to the South Water Street Market with his stuff, and he'd sell it, and then he'd come back and pick up manure put it in the same cart, and then, you know, put it on all of his, his his gardens. And it was just like, it was like permaculture before permaculture, almost. Well, actually, there's something to be said for that. What you reveal here, as I'm reading your story, I'm thinking, wait a second, we're going right back to that with our hoop houses and extending mm-hmm. uh, seasons and that sort of thing. The only difference is we're not using coal right, to, to heat, heat the greenhouses, yeah. but this is a lot of the same technology that was used 100, 150 years ago, and now it's coming back. What does that tell us about where we are and where we've come from and where we're going? Well, yeah, certainly we, you know, the, the local agriculture movement is back. People want it. Uh, the economics are slightly different. We don't necessarily have the manure, but people want that fresh local produce. I think they're like, you know what, this tomato that had to be hard as a rock in order to travel here is not doing it. And so people want that local agriculture. Do we have the same amount of land? Do we have the same uh, plentiful supply of coal that we want to use to heat it? 
it's not quite there. But yeah, hoop houses are great. They don't mm-hmm. nec- they don't need coal. They're simply going to extend your season. Um, I read some accounts. I believe it was from the Ravenswood or Edgewater Historical Society of celery being grown even up until the 1930s. It really kind of yeah. petered out around the turn mm-hmm. of the century That's with the amazing, Kalamazoo. Isn't it? And uh, the gentleman, he was saying that his his dad would get the manure. And do you guys know? I mean, you guys know about uh, about agriculture or about horticulture. Hot boxes and hotbeds. Like I did, I thought hotbed was just a term, but you took all this manure and you put a bunch of soil on top, and then you had like a window box on top, and you could start your seedlings early. Mm. And the manure kept it hot, mm-hmm. and then the sunshine. So in January, February. You could have a smelly box full of uh, <laughs> celery seedlings, you know, helped out by the stockyards and all the horses and buggies and all the, the poop around. And you get a hotbed of celery celery seedlings. And a hot mess as well. Uh, so yeah. No one has the hot mess like we do yeah. in Chicago for celery. Sorry. Uh, but then, you know, as you mentioned, it, it, things kind of evolve and you lose some of the farms and the celery became uh, – uh, the celery – uh, competition came from Kalamazoo and uh-huh. then from Cal- Kalamazoo. Go figure, because the land was cheaper. Mm-hmm. The land was cheaper. It was also it also had sandy soil and mm-hmm. it also was on the train line, so they could get it down to Chicago. Our advantage was we were already here, and we were a hub. Kalamazoo is not exactly a hub, <laughs> exactly. The hub. <laughs> Although the Kalamazooans yeah. think so, but that's a different yeah. story. But yeah, they were very proud of their celery industry, and so celery was a big thing. It ended up, you know, migrating out to other areas. Flowers. Up until 1950, the uh, Society of American Florists was located right here in Chicago because we were such a huge flower center. Carnations and roses. I talked to Red Kennecott, whose great-great-grandfather started commercial rose farming in the Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know in Glenview? Yep. Mm-hmm. He's like fifth-generation Chicago horticulture royalty. He also um, was one of the people who started the National Academy of Scientists. Uh, science, uh, sorry, the Chicago Academy of Sciences and the uh, horticulture—it's—it's what's the horticulture society in Chicago that became the Botanic Gardens? I mean, he was very, oh, okay. very right, influential. Right, right, and I don't just, remember. I thought it was just the Chicago Botanical. Yeah, but it, it, it was preceded by the horticultural society. It was like the Chicago Horticultural Society or something like right. that. Yeah. So he started that. And it was it was incredible talking to him because he's in his 80s, and he said, I remember when I was growing up, I would play in the rose houses around Rosemont. He said, where O'Hare Field was. Is that why they called it Rosemont? That's yes. what I believe, yeah. He it was said, a huge rose growing area. Huge, and it was, it was greenhouses. And he mm-hmm. said, we would get all these flowers from greenhouses, and carnations and roses were our specialties, and we'd get them out to all the rest of the world. He said, now it's probably going to be coming from South America. He said that air travel, um, inexpensive air freight, mm-hmm. killed our flower industry here. Um, so he's he's one of a few. But the, and refrigeration the, played a role in oh, all yeah. of these yes. industries. We had refrigerated cars that would come out of Chicago. I was reading all this stuff about you can anybody who brings anything to Chicago has refrigerated cars going to all points of the country. Um, I was driving here on Ridge Avenue. Do you know what Ridge Avenue is famous for? Uh, being a ridge. Well. <laughs> Uh, it's well. I know part of it. It's the watershed mark. Right. It was it was raised yeah. up, and so there it was swampy or water all around it. But you could grow on the ridge. Mm-hmm. So you had all these Luxembourgers of all these people. All the yep. Thousands of Luxembourgers were <sighs> so crazy influential. <laughs> they yeah. were so influential in Chicago agriculture, and they would tell their countrymen back home, "We are living on the ridge, D E R R E I C H. That's the word in Luxembourg." 
And they populated that whole ridge area um, uh, near Ridge and Tui with greenhouses and farms. And they were famous indoor-outdoor farmers who would truck their stuff up to Randolph Street and South Water Street and sell. That's amazing stuff. That is Monica Eng from WBEZ, and she's talking about a story she did for Curious City. We're going to continue this conversation. Hey, if you want, if you know something about Luxembourgers, give us a call, 847-475-1590. Or if you know something about celery and great soil, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be back. We humans produce 40 million tons of e-waste every year, but only about 12.5% of it gets recycled. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. E-waste is predicted to increase to 65 million tons by 2017. Yikes! So what is e-waste? Discarded electronics, computers, laptops, cell phones, TVs, DVRs, etc., Here are a couple of ways to unload your electronics responsibly. Donate them to local charities, such as cell phones to battered women's shelters. Find an electronics recycler near you. It's important to do your homework and make sure that wherever you dispose of your electronics, they are handled responsibly. I'm Green Diva Meg, and you can find more low-stress green living tips at thegreendivas.com. Streets Alive, Evanston's free annual Open Streets event is coming to Main Street in Evanston on September 10th from 1 to 5 p.m. Streets Alive features a climbing wall, yoga, karate demos, music, interactive art, delicious food, and more. It also includes the Evanston Green Living Festival for folks looking for products, services, and ideas that promote sustainable lifestyles. For details, visit evanstonstreetsalive.org. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. This is your talk. One of the few true originals of our time. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show. And uh, we are very pleased to have in the studio today, uh, she's uh, taking a break from... Serious radio. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. We had, um, do you know Harriet Festing? Oh, by the way, that's Monica Eng from WBEZ. Um, do you know Harriet Festing? Who used I don't. To, uh, she w- worked on the Rain Ready program for the Center for Neighborhood Technology, and now she's uh, with an organization called Flood Forum USA. And we talked hmm. yesterday about the catastrophe down in Texas and Hurricane Harvey and the aftermath of that. And she had been on the show when I was at WCPT, and she, when the show was over yesterday, she said, "Boy, there's a lot of energy in the room." It's like, it's, it's like, or, or something like that. Like, alluded to, it wasn't as calm as it was last time, and I think maybe it's because we stand here. We, we, you know, do you stand ever when you're broadcasting? Uh, we usually sit down in the studios, though. A lot of people like to stand while they're uh, voicing their stories. Sure, and feel like there's more energy. There is, yeah, and you yeah. can breathe better. Yeah, I mean, diaphragm. It's, it's, 
So uh, there you go. And uh, we're talking about veggies in Chicago. And I want to I want to give a shout out to Gary Albrecht. Uh, give that man a ding. And uh, again, the, last night late, I'm I'm writing and I saw this wonderful photograph. Uh, he took uh, Monica's story. And he put it on a blog he does for the Ravenswood Lakeview Historical Association, uh, and it's called uh, Lakeview Historical Chronicles, and that link is uh, on my website, mikenovak.net. And he had a bunch of photographs, and he kind of went, apparently he's a, a history geek. And he took the story and he posted it, and then he ran with it, and he put all all these other posts up there, uh, articles that he copied mm-hmm. and he had uh, uh, made scans of, and it's it, it goes on forever. And he's got a ton of photographs, and it's really fascinating. So if you go uh, to my website, you can click onto that if you want to see more about this, because there was a lot going on in Chicago mm-hmm. before we became hog butcher to the world. Yeah, and even while we were hog butcher to the world. Yes, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah, while we were. You get your yeah. meat and your vegetables. <laughs> yeah. And your flowers for the table. Right, exactly. Yeah. Wow, it's well balanced. I kind of <laughs> like that. But you were saying off air here uh, that uh, uh, we haven't discussed uh, the Dutch. Right, and and the south side. So I'm talking, you know, I've been talking about a lot of north side agriculture. You had the, the pickle farms uh, in around uh, the Roseland Cemetery area, that farther north in Rogers Park and the northern suburbs. You had flowers and you had the Luxembourgers. And then out in Rosemont. I just love the word Luxembourgers. Yeah, okay? I know. It sounds like, like a I'll have mine with treat. cheese, exactly. please, all right? <laughs> and then out in Rosemont, you know, near O'Hare, you had all these uh, hothouses for flowers. But you go to 55th and Western, and you had a, a, pickle, a pickle capital there. Ever hear of Clausen's Pickles? I love Clausen. They're my faves. Clausen okay. Pickle Farm, 51st and Western. That was there. And then farther south, you go into Roseland and South Holland. You get all these Dutch farmers, all these farmers who had left Holland because of the economic situation there. They knew agriculture. They couldn't really get a job in the city, but they could get a small plot of land. And they grew a variety of vegetables in what were called truck farms because they truck it down to the market. Right. And this was a forever immortalized in Edna Ferber's Pulitzer Prize winning novel, So Big. So if you read that, there's this girl, the society girl who's got a sort of rich father whose father dies and she's left penniless. So she goes and she's a teacher in Roseland, which is, you know, technically part of Chicago. It's where the Pullman uh, uh, car factory is. And she marries a Dutch farmer, um, uh, Mr. Diong. She marries into the Diong family. And uh, he dies, and she's like, oh, boy, I better learn farming myself. So she grows everything. She gets into asparagus, which was very smart. She brings it down to the Randolph Street Market. And they're like, a woman's not supposed to be selling. And she makes a go of it. She, she, she grows fabulous tomatoes and asparagus. And the Dutch farmers finally respect her, and she becomes rich off of this. And it's it's a very clear picture of what that was like, although some Dutch people say they, that, that she made fun of their accents and their simple ways of life. But eventually, they specialized. So they were doing all sorts of vegetables there. They specialized in onion sets. South suburbs, especially South Holland, became the capital of the country for onion sets through the 1950s. You wanted onion sets, you came to wow. south side of Chicago. That's amazing. And for the folks who don't know, it's not the big onion, it's the little onion. It's a set. A set is the little onion you grow to turn into a big onion. Yeah. So they were growing little onions to turn into, well, seeds to yeah. grow into little onions that they could sell so people could grow big onions. Big onions, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, who knew? I mean, we know that Chicago's name is is associated with onions, but who but knew? But it was we not like, that. No, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. it makes me wonder if well, like su- we're, we're well suited to, to onions. And the Dutch understood bulbs. Boy, do the Dutch understand yeah, sure. bulbs. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Tula, isn't there? Is, there's a film I just saw a preview for about tulipomania. So, uh, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw a preview and went, okay, you can make a film about anything. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Although it was, a, you know, if you if you read uh, uh, Michael Pollan, mm-hmm. The Botany of Desire, mm-hmm. and he talks about the tulip. Omania is it tulip omania or just tulip mania whatever in 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 Holland and how that was the currency yeah. for a while. I mean, I mean tulip then, bulbs, go figure. Yeah. And then after World War II, in Holland, Michigan, and elsewhere, rebuilding the Dutch tulip industry yeah. after the war. Absolutely. So Monica Ang, I got to ask you. Uh, obviously, you come by this honestly. You 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 went up through the ranks uh, at the Sun Times and then. Uh, became a reporter, and and yet I need to ask you, what's it like researching? Where where do you get these sources? You got some terrific sources here. Obviously, some of them are professors and books and that sort of thing. What did you stumble across uh, to do this that you didn't uh, expect? Well, I had no idea we were the salary capital or the flower capital or the onion set capital. I had heard rumblings about pickles, um, but um, but I had no I, idea. Excuse me. I, I, I had <laughs> right. some pickles last night. Yeah. yeah, I had no idea we had three national pickle brands. Wow. Uh, and so it was all new to me. You know, in some ways, I love going into a new subject. In other ways, I feel like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot, and I'm never going to be able to say anything new or even definitive but, you know, as a reporter, you just put out a zillion phone calls and mm-hmm. you hope that someone knows somebody who knows something. And eventually you stumble. You hope you stumble upon an answer that you can then collect and, and, and make clear and fun for people to read and listen to. So it's it's just the old shoe leather thing. It's huh? the old shoe leather. But, you know, you you ask Mike Novak at a party, hey, what do you know about this? You ask... Uh, <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Right. <laughs> you ask... Uh, you know, I, I, I talked to Professor Daniel Block because he wrote a book, Chicago of Food History. Mm-hmm. And so I said, what do you know about it? Also, I... Um, I contributed to the Chicago Food Encyclopedia that is edited by former Chicago Tribune food editor Carol Mighton Haddix, food historian Bruce Craig, and food historian Colleen Taylor Sen. And I said, What do you guys know? Do you have an entry about Chicago farming in here? And they sent me both the Luxembourgers and Chicago farming. And I said, Phew. So, you know, you piece it all together. But with curiosity, the interesting thing is when you get a question, often there'll be some research on a part of it. Yeah. Pulling together exactly what you need uh, for that particular thing is is often a lot more difficult. And, yeah. well, and I imagine that sometimes when people write in with those questions, they have a sense of what they're looking for, but that might be uh, completely phony. It might be uh, it sends you off in the wrong direction. Right. And you have to kind of gently steer it back into a direction that will inform the public and is really kind of where the answer, the real answer to the question is. Mm-hmm. But we like to be very respectful to what people ask and what they want to know. Well, you are very respectful because yeah. not only do you do the story on Curious City, then you interview the people who sent the story. That's that's kind of mm-hmm. nice, actually, to bring them into yeah. the conversation. Yeah, it's, it's a real uh, push for engagement. We want listeners to feel like they have a voice and and they can participate to the extent possible. Sometimes they're really busy and they're like, hey, can you meet me for this interview? <laughs> And Barb Carney was able to go with me to interview Professor Ann Keating, 
uh, from North Central College. Uh, she she's a specialist in 19th century Chicago suburban and urbanization and Danny Block. And I love that when the when the listener can come with and, and ask questions. of ah, Yeah. Yeah. That 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 adds to it as well. I, Go ahead. I was going to say, I would imagine there's a lot of urban legends and myths that you come across, too, right. where people always thought we did something. Mm hmm. So they're like, oh, well, we, we grew lots of wild onions. Well, no, wild onions were wild. And, um, <laughs> and you know, it's very interesting because I write for the Chicago Tribune, but I've been looking at a lot of historical um, archives, and it does seem that stuff was exaggerated. So were we really the celery capital of the country? Or just a great place to grow celery, and it did pretty well. Right, right. So a lot of boosterism in newspapers, yeah. and like the world's largest pickle farm. Well, well like you're seeing headline. those postcards yeah. with the, the big celery stalk on a flatbed car. That's, that's a big yeah. celery. There's yeah. <laughs> actually an interesting story behind those postcards, because yeah. as I looked into them, this one company, and unfortunately I don't know the name of it, made uh, several postcards. One was a rail car with tomatoes. One was celery. One was the pickle. There was a couple of others, nice. and it had... A blank, your shipment from, oh, and it was nice. up to the sender then to write it in, and it was saying a lot of the cities would then take and put their name on it. Oh, that's funny! To so help build that giant legend, that is hilarious. Yeah, it was. Uh, we we ran across so many great archival photos that I hope Mr. Albrecht was able to put up. Um, the, the Seltzer Library's got a ton. Mm -hmm. uh, Ravenswood Historical Society, Rogers Park Historical Society has a great trove of photos of all of these greenhouses that were all over the place. Mm -hmm. I talked to a guy called Jim Leader, who now has a leader, I want to say horticultural. He, he grows tropical plants. But his grandfather... Is it pronounced leader or lighter? Maybe lighter? I think it's lighter because I've been there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you know him. And his grandfather was a... Uh, a Luxemburger farmer mm -hmm. at, he said he believed Tui and Western-ish Western -ish, uh, had his farm and that he said he would he said he'd wake up early in the morning, load all oh, the I vegetables love this story. on his yes, truck. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then uh, he, would, he would get down to the market, sell, and on the way back, he'd fall asleep, but the horse knew the way home. <laughs> and he would always take him home. I get to teach the... my car that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, but Driverless cars. the smart technology yeah, yeah. existed then. Again, we're coming there full we circle here. Yeah. The horse knows the way to carry the sleigh, so to speak. All right. That's Monica Ang. Uh, thank you. What a great story. Thank you. Uh, uh, you're welcome anytime. I, I would love to talk more food issues with you. Uh, I don't know. How often do they let you out of your cage at uh, BEZ? Um, so, you know, they, they let me do food and environmental stuff. I did a big compost. I did the question, why doesn't Chicago have comprehensive composting? And I, you probably know the answer to that, and I can come back and talk well, about Well, actually, that. I'm going to talk to you about something off air about Ooh, this. because I got intriguing. I, okay, yeah, so uh, we, can't, <laughs> we can't talk about it now. Uh, that is uh, Monica Ang, WBEZ. Listen to her there. Go to Curious City. Go to my website. You can find this great story. We'll be right back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Hey, Ron Cowgill. Yes, Mike Novak. How would you like to drive the safest, quickest, and most capable sports utility vehicle in history? Legally? Of course legally. In fact, you would own it. Legally? Stop saying that. I'm talking about the Illinois Solar Energy Association, which is raffling off a 2017 Tesla Model X. You mean the one that comes standard, all-wheel drive, seating for up to seven adults, and up to 295 miles of range on a single charge? Yes. 
The one that can accelerate from 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds? Yes, how did you know that? I'm reading the script. Oh, well then you probably know that only 2,500 tickets will be sold. They're 100 bucks each. You can purchase as many as you like, and the drawing is December 7th. Do I have to be present to win? Nope. Do I have to live in Illinois? Nope, just the lower 48 states. Is this the part where we read the disclaimer stuff really, really fast? Nah, this is where we tell people to get details at IllinoisSolar.org. You're good. Yeah. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. This is your talk. Do you read me? On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Come on, is anybody even out there? Any chance I get to play ELO <laughs> is is a good one, especially this song. Okay, okay, I can play it on my own at home. Okay, uh, the Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November fourth, and this tenth anniversary celebration is going to be pretty special. For starters, there will be two, yes, two, fully decorated and locally owned tiny homes on display. And I will get to ask the question, is this just a fad or is this really something? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. There will be the award-winning traveling exhibit, Sustainable Choices, and area college and university solar and super mileage team race cars. Visit the Living Lightly Tent, where innovators share their energy-saving inventions. And, of course, more than 70 green exhibits and vendors of all kinds, including invited artists who will be displaying and selling their sustainable creations. Kathleen Thompson is going to have her jewelry there. as Excellent. a member. Yeah, how about that? Did I mention that the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public and that I will be there with Peggy? McHenry County College, Saturday, November 4th from 10 to 3, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash greenexpo. Or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765. Did you say we have Mr. Mm-hmm. Turk on the line here? Uh, put yourself, uh, Brandon, on on the mic there because you were talking about, uh, uh, what was it, onions? and Onions, yeah. Uh, my family grew up in Cal City, and so there oh. were still onion farms in South Holland back then. And even in Cal City there were. Wow. And this, this is the like... The 70s, 80s. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That... that Wow. Yeah, it, it persisted. It was probably the longest lasting agricultural specialty of Chicago. Uh, let's welcome to the program at this point uh, W.C. Turk. Bill, are you with us? 
Mike Novak, how are you, buddy? Okay, how are you? I'm sorry for for the last-minute nature of this. I forgot to call you yesterday and Oops. say, let's set this no, up. No, that's no worries. I, I, I've been running around getting cra- getting ready for the show as well. No, so. getting, getting crazy. That's fine. You can get crazy. You're I've been crazy, so but, I don't need to get there. So there's a new show here today on uh, WCGO 1590, uh-huh. and uh, you have something to do with it, dude? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, one of uh, one of the co-hosts, along with Sid Yiddish and Carrie Kendall, we're Playtime with Sid and Bill, featuring Carrie Kendall, uh, and we are covering entertainment, the arts, music, theater, comedy, uh, all of it wrapped up in one nice little package from one to three every Sunday, right here on fifteen ninety WCGO. How's that for a commercial? Wow. You've got the marketing part <laughs> yeah. of that down. You know, you get, it's, all, it's all about the branding, as you realize. And, and you've got to understand, Bill Turk and I uh, go back uh, at, at least two radio stations. Uh, you were, were at uh, WCPT, uh, where you would uh, sit in with Mike Sanders uh, and uh, do his show, which was right before yeah. mine there. And then last year, when you brought uh, Peggy and me into Pirate Radio. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I, uh, I owe you one for that. Um, if you if you catch my drift, and uh, and now we're kind of sucking you and our uh, into this. It's uh, coming to our studio. Yes. Yeah. So we're bringing all the, uh, the 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 bands getting back together here. So uh, well, you know, it was just going to be me and Sid. But uh, you've got a girl, so we figured we had to get a girl. So we went out and got Carrie wow. Kendall. <laughs> you are so 1950s. Uh, uh, you yeah, are yeah. just uh, like Bill. Had, can we sit? Can we sit you down and let's and talk? Bill. A little sensitive training, uh, sensitivity training, training would uh, go a long way. Uh, yeah, but well, yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> so uh, 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 Richie Z will be on right after us, and following Richie Z, we've got. You guys, playtime with Sid and Bill featuring Carrie Kendall. Absolutely, uh, it's going to so be uh, it's going to be great. We've got some great guests today. Yep. What's what's the first show? Uh, today we've got uh, we've got Mary Visconti, the associate director from Facets Multimedia. They're going to be they're going to be partnering with us here on the on the show going forward, telling people about great art films and uh, and everything else that Facets does. Uh, we're going to be talking about a really important play that's running right now at the Athenaeum Theater, Sister Africa, about women in the Congo. We're going to be talking with uh, director Elaine Latronic. We've got the Oh, my Day goodness, Jack Elaine Latronic. I remember her back from Perform, Inc. days, back yeah, when I was yeah. running a theater company, and she would write reviews. And She's write, a and, veteran. She's still yeah. out there punching it, yeah. Wow. You know, some people stuck around in that biz and I, I got out. I dodged. I said, Okay, that's that's enough. I'm I'm done. I need to find another area where I can I, where I won't make money. And you uh, gotta be a playwright, buddy. That's the way to go. That's you, you just I was. I, just, I was I just sit back and wait for the checks to come in. <laughs> He's still sitting. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I tell you, I've got a play that's been done all over the country, Bill. Uh it's been done off Broadway twice. Uh, and uh, I'm not rich yet, okay, and I don't know why, but that's the way those things All of my go. plays have been off-Broadway, one in uh, Glenview, uh, <laughs> and the rest in Chicago, oh, so way, game. way off-Broadway. There we go. Way, way off. <laughs> anyway, back to uh, that play that you said is so important. Yes. Uh, Sister Sister Africa, uh, which play which runs through September 10th, um, is a really powerful, heartfelt 
um, story about a, about a Jewish women's organization in the Congo helping women through uh, through that terrible, terrible civil war. It's a really heart wrenching, very intimate story. Um, and, uh, and, and that conflict is still going on, um, but it resonates in, in a lot of different directions with women's issues, with refugee issues. It's, it's ripped right out of the headlines. Um, it's, a, it's a terrific place. So we want to talk to Elaine about that. Uh, we're talking to, a, to an incredible musician. They're, they're described as the, uh, as the Hebrew Pink Floyd uh, or as, or as uh, Klezmer music um, meets Pink Floyd. Uh, and they're playing tonight. This is uh, uh, Ovadia is the band. We're going to be talking to M. Hurley, uh, who is the, um, the spiritual head of that band. They're playing tonight at um, uh, Uncommon Ground on Devon here. And, uh, and then we're talking Ground, with our buddy. Yeah. yeah, and then we're talking with our buddy Rasco Martinez, who's on tour uh, out east uh, or out west, rather, uh, on the west coast. So um, well, it's going to be a, a chock, chock full show. That's terrific. Now, yeah. are you are are you the funny guy or the straight man? <laughs> um, that remains to be seen. <laughs> I, I was, you know, I, I was I was sort of positioning myself as the uh, as the smart Alec, um, but uh, there's something developing between Carrie Kendall and Sid Yiddish um, <laughs> that um, you know I, I, they may just push me into the shadows here. Uh, I, that would never happen, Bill. I know that it's not going to happen with you. So, uh, no, this mouth. Uh, all right, give me the. Uh, you know, and I got to write this down because I don't have the name of your show and I don't have the branding in my head yet. So, again, at one o'clock, playtime with Sid and Bill featuring Carrie Kendall. Okay. Yeah. Good luck on the first Good show. Luck. Have fun. Thank you, brother. Come in and uh, stop in and, and say hi sometime. Have some fun. I, I you know, because I don't on my own show. So, yeah, I'm going to try to do that. <laughs> all right. All right. Take care. Have a great Sunday and get on that bicycle because I know you're riding it up here. Thanks, guys. Great show. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Uh, there he goes. W.C. Turk. Uh, we're no longer at Pirate Radio. And uh, here we are. Uh, He's landed in Evanston. And, and I was going to try to get the uh, Klezmonaut song here. He, he was talking Klez bands. And one of my favorite uh, um, all time Christmas carols is Joy to the World, uh, which is done by the Klezmonauts. And, Oh, I don't know. I don't think we have time to play it, so uh, some other time. You just heard the tune in the background. Yeah, because I know we're going to get the theme here in in any second now, right? Because Brandon's looking at it, and he's going, count it down, three, two, one. There we are. Uh, I want to thank everybody who was on the show today. Ariana, I'll start with, uh, uh, and Brandon, (laughs) and and, uh, I want to thank Ben for just getting out of the way back there. I want to thank Audie the dog who wandered in here earlier. Uh, Ken Santowski from Chicago Logistics Service. Sign up for the uh, seminar, the symposium that the Illinois Recycling Association is doing on the 12th of September. Uh, Michael Howard from Eden Place Nature Center. And, of course, the the inimitable Monica Eng from WBEZ and Curious City. Until next week, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.